Are you guys ready up there? Alright. Alright, quiet on the set. Welcome to another episode of Adventures in Movies. My name is Nathaniel Mir and I am the movie editor at AIPT. Joining me on these ongoing adventures is the man who was introduced to East Coast rap by Puff Daddy. Hey man, Puff Daddy is mm -mm -mm, and I am Danny. Also uh, joining us on these ongoing adventures is the man who introduced a new diehard debate to the new normal. <laughs> that's right die hard not a bottle episode bottle movie I'm, I'm blake by the way i'm so glad that uh after years years and years and years of hearing the same die hard debate every single year without fail multiple times i finally heard a die hard debate that i was actually cared about <laughs> that was a new one it's totally new and i have never ever heard that one before it was super interesting to me actually <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to cover that sometime uh, so how's your guys this week oh uh, good not a bad week i guess just doing my thing same old same old bought a bunch of groceries <laughs> so i got a fully stocked <laughs> pantry i'm good to go yeah. <laughs> that's all you need yeah all you need is just enough to put in your belly and everything is cool the beatles had it wrong. yeah <laughs> <laughs> the beatles had he, a lot um... wrong <laughs> <laughs> just ask uh, mark chapman <laughs> oh. <laughs> fucking pat loves to drop fucking mark david chapman references uh, i don't know what it is about <laughs> so um no secret that uh, I'm a huge, huge, huge David Lynch fan, but uh, he actually hasn't done anything since Twin Peaks The Return, which was like three years ago. Um, this year, though, we've seen a lot of output. Um, what What Did Jack Do was released on his birthday, on uh, David Lynch's birthday, not Jack's birthday. Jack is a monkey. And it was released on Netflix. And uh, today, um, Fire, a short film of his, was uh, released. Neither of them are new, but... Uh, Awesome to see David Lynch uh, releasing short films. Have, have you guys had a chance to see uh, Fire? I just mm -hmm. saw the news yeah. like uh, moments before we started the show, so yeah. uh, I definitely want to check it out. It's cool. It's like the, we, we talked about the Wolf House. We had a whole show about it. The Adventures in Movies looks at uh, definitely check it out. Where we talk about the Wolf House, it's like that, except it's not an hour and fifteen minutes, and you know leaves you bored. It's actually pretty cool because it's only ten minutes. Um, I think the interesting thing about David Lynch right now, so he hasn't made anything, and there's no announcement about anything new coming up, but go to his YouTube channel. Uh, the past week or so, he's been uh, delivering the Los Angeles weather report in the delightfully <laughs> odd way that David Lynch does everything in his life. It's pretty cool. Do they let him smoke <laughs> on camera? I hope he's smoking a fucking cigarette the whole time. That's... It has, you know, it's David Lynch who's just, uh, oh, you know, it's like, it's David Lynch being David Lynch, but it's with blue lights and red lights, his direction style also, but he's just talking about the weather. So it's, it is what it is, I guess, but I, I find it highly enjoyable. Um, <laughs> the uh, past, like, month and a half now, we've been wondering about the Snyder Cut. It turns out that, in fact, an HBO Max will be releasing the Snyder Cut. So, um... I know we've kind of gone back and forth about this. 
how much do you guys care now that you know for a fact that the Snyder Cut is coming out? How much do I care? <laughs> that might answer the question, but yes. Okay, so I'll put, I'll put I'll I'll say this. I think the Snyder Cut of Watchmen sounds more appealing than Justice League Snyder Cut. You just wanted to have more giant blue crank in it. You're just like put more blue crank in this movie. Exactly. Hey, I, I, I ain't gonna lie. I, I bought the. Uh, I have the four hour four hour extended version version of Watchmen. I like it. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, that being said, the theatrical release of Watchmen is also very enjoyable. I think so. I, now, I like it. I think it's a really really good. But I don't think I'm anywhere in in the same boat as Watchmen and Justice League. Like I feel <laughs> Justice League was like it's fine. It's there. Like you know, it it did its damage. I don't. Well, I don't need four hours of this. Well, you know what? I, you know what I'll say. They've they've done enough like talking about it and doing their viral marketing over the past year and a half to make me fucking interested. Straight up, I'm just sitting here thinking about. It. I'm like, yeah, I want to watch it. Like I do. I want. I, I want to see what the fuss is about. Uh, unless it's like a joke or whatever. But I think we get Superman dying in in, in the black Superman suit. I, I, I see that like people talking okay. about that all the time. I don't know if it's something Snyder has alluded to or. So so here's my question. I don't think we've talked about this on the show, but even people who don't really care for the original uh, Justice League, um, they want to see release the Snyder Cut. And my, my question is why? Like, why do, you, why do these people want to see it? If they didn't care for it the first time, why do they want to see two more hours of it? I, it's, I don't think it's not that they didn't care. I think they, the complete vision of what Zack Snyder, because this is the movie where he dropped off or dropped out halfway, right? So I think, you know, when Joss Whedon came into play, like, it wasn't that. It was, like, two people versus that one unique vision. And plus, if we don't, like, I completely forgot about the black suit, like, Superman suit uh, from, like, the 90s. Like, I I guess, like, there was a whole motif for it. But I, I don't know. I still don't feel that, like, crazy. Like, yeah, like, we, you're right. We had all this crazy, like, viral marketing, but... I think at the end of it, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't care for Zack Snyder's movies too much. And well, are, are you for real? Is it supposed to be four hours long or more? Uh, that's, I, I did see the four hour thing through thrown around a lot. I know that he had a lot, he had a lot of ideas and materials and he's talked about a shit ton of stuff, but I don't know if it's definitely four hour. That's just a figure that people are throwing around. But I, oh. I, I also saw the four hour thing that uh, Danny's referencing. It's, um, I don't know, man. Like Zack Snyder, I think he shot his load with his with uh, three hundred and Watchmen. Like I don't think he's done anything good since. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just uh, to me, like, okay, old so, now. yeah, three hundred was a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> it was a very long time ago. I think it was an actual documentary. That's how long ago. It was. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, like I couldn't watch a good super movie, a superhero movie for four hours, like. I don't know, Civil War? I wouldn't want to see four hours of that. Like, I mean, so no. why would I want to see a bad superhero movie for four hours? Yeah. Fuck, I don't want to try my extra minutes. I don't want to do an extra ten minutes. Like, fuck, I'm not going to do, you know, another two hours. I, I'm capped at what I saw. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally agree with you. So getting on to stuff that I watched this past week and actually did enjoy, and uh, thankfully nothing was four hours long. Uh, let's see. I'll go with the stuff with the cool names first. Um, I saw this movie called Water <laughs> Water Lily Jaguar. So, uh, this movie sounds super pretentious, but it's about... Or, um, it's like a vape, it's, sounds like a vape a, juice flavor. Oh, you got me. <laughs> it's totally good. It's or a snow cone. <laughs> it's right next to the tiger blood. 
<laughs> stripper's name is also very good. <laughs> There's de- definitely a water lily that works at Jaguars. <laughs> this is true. Um, actually, you know what's kind of funny? It is a woman's name. So it, it's about a writer who's he's actually done very well for himself, but he sells um, like uh, they're called airport novels in the movie, but they're the types of books that like the Da Vinci Code. Someone buys them, they read them on a long flight, and then they forget about them type of thing. But they sell very well. So um, he's kind of gotten tired of being this kind of writer, and he wants to write the great American novel, which is the dream of, like, every single person who goes into writing, I would imagine. He becomes obsessed with writing this. He finds he's doing research into what he wants to write about. Uh, Water Lily Jaguar is the name of the only human remains that they found in the La Brea Tar Pits. And it, it is a woman. I don't know if she was a stripper, though. But um, he's going to base wow. his... You know, she, <laughs> she crossed a, the she was, she was a hussy. She definitely got murdered. That's definitely uh, a murder. <laughs> no kidding, <you're> right. <laughs> It, it, it's a sticky situation. <laughs> Get out of here. Close up shop. <laughs> We're done. But, uh, it, it's, a, it's a movie about... It, it is good, but it's very slow and character-driven. And It's about you know art, obsession, intimacy, relationships. How far would you let a person's obsession towards completing their art go? It's uh, definitely not for everybody, but it, I, I I found it enjoyable. But it's a very relaxed, chill, but also you have to pay attention type movie. Then I saw um, Techno Lust. That's a cool name. Um, yeah, Techno Lust stars a uh, Tilda Swinton, and this one she she plays a doctor who clones herself, and uh, <laughs> it's a typical movie where she she plays four characters basically. I mean, they're all her, but they're different versions of her. Uh, it's kind of the typical thing where she clones herself and then the clones want to – they become independent. They want to live their own lives instead of having to answer to her type of thing. You know, it's kind of funny. Like uh, she's a really good actress. So the problem with good actresses and actors is you can tell when they're phoning it in. Mm-hmm. And she's just like – and, you know, and the thing is they're so good that even when they're half-assing it, it's still pretty enjoyable. And <laughs> she's really good in this. Like by far she's the standout of this but. It's actually a, a really uh, it's a surprisingly generic story. Like they touch on all sorts of things, like um, individuality, of course, and um, uh, fe- um, what's it called technology and loneliness and uh, empowerment. But and, and it's funny too. And it's actually it's laugh out loud funny. It has some really good comedic elements. But um, they just do so much in about an hour and a half that you're you're all over though and it it's less of a movie and more of a series of skits and it just doesn't overall product doesn't really work out so well um point defiance it's your basic thriller it's a really cool setup actually it's this uh guy he's a online stock trader uh he lives by himself in this uh he's done very well for himself very opulent home that he has in uh point defiance washington uh, one day his brother shows up and his brother is like, uh, he's come back from Afghanistan and he has PTSD and now he has to resort to alcohol. But, uh, all these secrets start coming up. Like, uh, the first brother, the one who's successful, you learn that he wears an ankle bracelet. You have no idea why, but he has an ankle bracelet. Uh, his wife has gone missing and, uh, they call an escort, the brother from Af- Afghanistan calls an escort who also disappears, uh, she looks a lot like the dude's wife, uh, but the guy has an alibi because he does have an ankle bracelet. So it's it's a thriller that has, you know, lots of mysteries, lots of layers to it. And it's really those two actors that are doing it. So um, 
one of the guys from Friday Night Lights, the movie, and um, geez, I forgot the other guy. But they do a really good job because they have to carry the film. It's really, really good. The uh, it's it's not a problem. It's a thriller. It's your typical thriller. So it does become very predictable. And then the third act it does get a little too twist heavy. Uh, um, I saw The Lovebirds coming out on Netflix on Friday, starring uh, Camille Nanjini? Nanjani? Nanjani. Nanjani. And uh, Isa Rae from Insecure. Uh, it's really good. It's really, really good. So it's a very old-time premise. It's this couple, then they meet, and they fall, in, they fall madly in love. Fast forward a couple of years, and yeah, they, they're still living together and stuff, but... The relationship is a little bit strained, but um, through wacky circumstances, they're on the run from a cult, and they're trying to solve a mystery along the way. It's like something straight out of the 40s, like Hebron and Tracy would have been caught up in this. It's really <laughs> cool. Along the way, they rediscover their love. It's super cool. And those two have great chemistry. Like um, The problem you encounter with comedians a lot, especially really strong ones, in movies, it seems like they're constantly trying to outdo each other. Like, they're they're delivering their bits, basically. But in this movie, they're totally playing off each other. It's really natural, really cool. But um, the best part about it is, yeah, it's a comedy. And, yes, it's a mystery. But at its core, it's about this couple that are kind of falling out of love with each other. Or they seemingly were. But now they're, kind of, they're falling back in love with each other. It's a really thin line to walk because that can become that can be really romantic, but can really quickly become very sappy and corny. It never crosses that line in this. It's really cool. It's a it's a fun. It's a really good entertainment popcorn fluff movie. Very very enjoyable. Do, do uh, you know who who wrote it? I, I just I when I saw that you put this on, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about it because I feel like Camille Nanjani and Issa Rae. I've seen them now separately in different things, or especially Issa Rae. But I feel like. She's a very strong actress and funny, obviously. Uh, but Camille Najani, he did um, the Big Sick a couple of years back about you know right. about his uh, wife and well their his wife's relationship with him and everything. And I felt like it it sparked like the new romantic comedies. And obviously, we didn't get like this revolution about that. But do you feel it's like in like in that same wheelhouse as the Big Sick? Or is it like this completely like new thing? Um, it's more of a new thing because the Big Sick was, it was again a very very funny movie, really well done. But it was um, like you said, it kind of seemed like it would spark a new. It was different than yeah. other romantic. It was very different. This mm. one is very much a throwback to, and I mean not just like romantic comedies, like traditional romantic comedies of the eight. I mean it's a throwback to studio studio era Hollywood, like the nineteen forties and stuff, in yeah. a good way. I mean that too. It's, yeah, yeah. it's really really cool. Um, I think it has multiple writers on it, if I remember correctly. It has like three or four writers on it, which oh, okay. is another thing, actually. Um, you bring that up. Like when there's a lot of writers with anything, whether it's – I mean, Danny, you, you've collected comics. So if there's like a crossover and there's you know five different writers over the course of 12 issues, you can tell like real quick yeah. the tone. Yes. You lose the tone and the atmosphere. Like, But this one, you know, it, it's very steady. Like I don't know if it was – the screenplay was maybe done by multiple people working off of one person's uh, work, but vision? it's uh -huh. it's really yeah one person's vision exactly. It's very well done, very enjoyable. It's cool. short, hour and a half. So I mean, oh, if not you're bad. not at all like and uh, it's a romantic comedy, but it's not a rom com if that makes sense. Yes, and, yeah, it, it's definitely 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 worth the time. So the final movie I saw 
that I wanted to talk about, and it might have the least interesting name, is um, A Cut of the Dead. So it's a zombie movie. Uh, it was the the second feature on uh, The Last Drive-In this week. Oh, it's... Okay, you can only say so much about this movie, apparently, or else you ruin the entire thing. So I will say that the first 37 minutes is one of the most amazing things I have ever seen in any type of movie. Um, but in a zombie movie, it was especially awesome. Um, after those 37 moments, minutes, it completely faked Regina out. Completely. Like, when... When it continued on, she had no idea what was happening. Um, it's creative and original, and it's so layered. It's, uh, without saying too much about it, it's, I don't know, people throw around terms like meta. I guess back in the day, they would have compared it to Macbeth. Like, it's um, it's mm. a zombie movie that's, uh, it's a comedy. But, uh, it's a zombie movie, so it does have the right amount of gore. But it's a it's a student film made for very little money. Initially played at, at a festival with the village of like eight thousand people, and has gone on to be, become this like sensation. They're going to remake it in Hollywood now, apparently. So it's Japanese. It's Japanese. It's mm. uh, it's good. And so the first act, the first thirty seven minutes are amazing. Uh, this the this middle half kind of you know puts you into that world i'm trying to i'm being very vague about it, it kind of gets you into the world and it sets up the third act which is one of the most intelligent filmmaking and writing things i've ever seen it's got a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes it's amazing like do not read what anything the fuck? Of, do not read I'm not anything, read anything. It. is it on shutter is it can you watch it on shutter if if you can't watch it on Shutter, you can watch it on um, the Last Drive-In. It's the second feature. It'll be the second feature on the Last Drive-In. Okay, okay. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, from this past week, it is right. so so good. <laughs> it is so good. Like when uh, he introduced it, he was like, you know, Japanese zombie horror comedy, <laughs> and you know, I'm thinking like, well, you know, like whether it's Japanese or not, I don't care. But I'm not a big fan of zombie. Oh, yeah, comedy horror, I'm cool with. Um, but zombie movie, I mean, Shaun of the Dead is like great, but there's not too many Shaun of the Deads out there. Um, this movie, I'm telling you, like the <laughs> that that first the first sequence is amazing. It's so so well done. Um, it, it was so good that um, I, I actually kind of didn't even realize what was going on. <laughs> it's just a crazy thing to see. It's amazing to, and then when you watch the whole movie in the whole totality of it i guess you it's so impressive like 100 percent on rotten tomatoes makes sense here's the one thing i'll say about this like um and after i watched the movie i read about the movie apparently people walked out after the 37 minute mark and they totally missed out <laughs> they missed the whole point of the movie uh, wow. it's uh cool. it's definitely worth watching if you have shutter if a cut of the dead is not on there all you have to do is go to the last episode of uh, the last drive-in Second movie, um, for the, it's on the double feature with uh, Troma's War, which is hilarious in Troma's inimitable way. But uh, yeah, Cut of the Dead is, unironically, it's a good movie. And uh, that's what I saw this week. Damn, that sounds like a fucking like, blast. Uh, and I really should get on Shudder. Uh, unlike you, I think I, I'm, I usually start my uh, movies from worst to the best thing I've seen. Uh, and Good Boys, we've talked about it. Uh, I saw it. You, I I should have listened to you guys. It, it's not a good movie. 
It is forgettable. I, th- I thought I liked it. I, I was even having a hard time remembering what the Good Boys even was. But now I, now if I, you now tell I, me that I didn't like it, then I believe you because I totally don't remember why I would like it. Our buddy Kevin didn't like it very much either, I think. that's. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, this movie's out there. Uh, if you have better time, you, you know, it's pandemic, quarantine time, do something better than Good Boys. Uh, Scoob. <laughs> Uh, this was a big uh, home to or big theater home release, whatever. Okay, so I have two things here, and I think I kind of hate what everything is becoming like a whole their own like shared universe. Uh, so Scooby Doo is a uh, essentially a reboot, but it's doing a reboot to introduce the whole Hanna Barbera you like cartoons into one fucking world. So weird. That is so it's, weird. Aren't they already in? I thought there was already like a uh, Flintstones Jetsons crossover type. Aren't they in the same world? Yeah, they're in the same world. But I mean, this happened like what fucking in the nineties. So nobody remembers what the nineties were. Apparently, you you know uh, this thing like w- with making trying trying to make everything into its own universe. Fucking Transformers, Marvel, DC fucking king kong and godzilla you know like I, I think this is what tired me out i was like okay like i just put it down like at the movie finished and i was like all right i i, I guess i want to see johnny quest maybe but i don't want to see like fucking undercover squirrel or whatever its name is <laughs> you know what I, I i blame kevin smith for this bullshit and him and his uh ask you verse yeah yeah it's squirrel, like but... secret squirrel yeah thank you like you know <laughs> Like, all this stuff, like, I saw this in Spanish, so to me, it's like Pica Piedras and, like, Los Supersonicos. So, like, Jetsons actually in Spanish is a lot cooler in Spanish, I would say. Supersonics. El Supersonicos is the Jetsons? That's awesome. Yeah, that's fucking great. Are they Uh, from Seattle? No, they're not. But Is his name, like, Esteban Supersonico or something? (laughs) No, it's Jorge. Jorge Super Sunday. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like, we have all these things, and I don't think we need, like, all the properties. Like, I don't think, like, five-year-olds care who the fuck, you know, like, Ca- Captain Caveman is. <laughs> I know I don't, like, like the we watched the movie, and, like, when we saw, like, uh, Muttley come out, I'm like, hey, it's my dad's favorite fucking dog of all time. And my dad's like who and then like he appeared and he's like oh yeah like i used to see this when i was a kid and like even like even okay my dad might be the bad example in this but i don't i don't know what scoob was trying to reach out to if it was trying to reach out to like the boomers the you know whatever five-year-olds are right now toddlers so i'm (laughs) guessing it didn't it didn't satisfy like even a scooby-doo like main theme or episodes oh so yeah so here's the thing here's the fucking like the weird twists it's not your regular scooby-doo there's like no like person well, that's be- a fucking point exactly with a dog no exactly exactly so it was like just essentially just to start off some sort of fucking reboot and that's what the letdown was I was expecting a Scooby Doo movie. <laughs> he wanted to help solve the mystery. Exactly. <laughs> figure it out with all the clues. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know. I, instead, I get like a fucking hour and a half of Hanna Barbera cartoons that you know, like I. This is not Wacky Racers. Like, give me Wacky Racers instead. You know, like don't give me this bullshit. But Scooby Doo was like whatever. Blake, did you see the Last Dance? Uh, yes. Okay. 
Uh, so this is like the best thing I've seen. Like this is like <laughs> the best thing I've seen. Like all of quarantine. I will agree I, with you. I will agree with you. Uh, it was kind of amazing. <laughs> it yeah yeah. Uh, so this last set two episodes dealt with uh, Steve Kerr and the my the, guy, my favorite player of all time. That you okay? All right. So I got super sentimental. Like oh, I got yeah. super sentimental about his dad. I did not know anything yeah. about that. And that hit me like a, like a fucking ton of bricks. And yes. uh, yeah, for people who don't know, his his father was the president of a uh, university in Beirut, uh, Lebanon, uh, during a like a big tumultuous time, and he was assassinated. Yeah, so it it was like pretty like devastating, and like the way that they were connecting and everything. Obviously, uh, Jordan lost his father tragically, as in a similar fashion, maybe, or similar fashion, not maybe, but similar fashion. Yeah, and then got, Steve Kerr, got shot. And uh, Steve Kerr lost his father, you know, the same time that Jordan started playing basketball. And there's, there's this whole thing, like this whole trust that Jordan has. It's such a, like, it, it, like when this comes out on Netflix in a couple of months, I just implore everybody to watch it. This is a good documentary of seeing uh, the greatest player of all time and break down the psyche of him. Like, I think that's what the whole thing was. Like, I don't, like... He came off as an asshole, but I don't think it changed any facts because it just it was really, really great. It was just it's good to see how hard work, I guess, pays off in a way. Oh, and, well, yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. he I don't think he ever I mean, like I said, in, on other shows and stuff like Jordan never Jordan was always like this. He was super like untouchable. Like in the media and all that stuff, but like if you if you followed him real closely and you followed the sports real close, you knew who like who he was. You heard yeah. about him punching Steve Curry. You heard about all that stuff, mm -hmm. and you knew what like what a like kind of a jerk he could be, but mm -hmm. no one cared because yeah. he was he would want to be like Mike Space Jam. I mean, all that stuff was so and and for real, dude. When I was watching that, there were times like I wanted to like stand up and cheer like when back when I was like. 12 years old watching that stuff like yeah. I, I was incredible to relive some of that stuff uh it really was it like was super sentimental yeah it, it, and it's a really it's just it, it does hit a lot of cool like great moments like uh i think in this episode there was a, he was kind of like the people were just on him and he kind of like shoots the basketball backwards kind of like in a little hook and he makes it me and my girlfriend were just like this i, I just started clapping i was like this is stupid like <laughs> This is not possible. Like nobody could make this. Like when he was playing against uh, Reggie Miller and the Pacers, oh, I was like, was "Man, great. so great!" Like there's all these things, and just like Pat, <laughs> you have your wrestling, you have your so many villains in this. Like they make villains of like a lot of great players, and you're just like, "Yeah, that's fucking great." And then you have Dennis Rodman, who just lives his best life. You know, I love Rodman, dude. It's so it's so fucking it's a. It's one of the best things I think I've seen this whole like uh, quarantine time, um, yeah. and it's a high fucking recommend at any fucking like level. Like it, you don't have to be a sports fan, you don't even like if you want to. It's just it's just a good documentary. It's just well done. Couldn't agree more, man. It was actually really awesome. I I look forward to it every weekend, and it, I'm I'm bummed it's over. As soon as it was over, I, I was like. I was so like, oh god, what am I? But uh, apparently, thirty for thirty, ESPN is going to be coming out with some really cool thirty for thirties. Uh, uh, so if you have been watching this and you you want some more, I know they're doing like a Bruce Lee documentary, oh, which fuck. I I am. Oh, yeah. I think it's called oh, like yeah. uh, Be Water. Be Water, yeah. Which I I kind of love that whole philosophy and stuff. So I'm super looking forward to that stuff. Cool. But, um, yes. So uh, I was talking about last week. I talked about If It Bleeds, the uh, new uh, Stephen King novel, and how I 
Really didn't know a whole lot about it reading. Well, it really took me off guard because it's not a novel at all. <laughs> it's actually a book of no like short stories or novellas. Uh, so when no I got to the end of the connected. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck? When the one part ended and the next part started, I was like, oh shit. I, I was like, okay, all right. I guess I should have read the back of the book. But uh, <laughs> uh, continuing to be very good. Uh, the first story in particular was, was really cool and creepy uh, and uh, reminded me of stuff that... He was writing uh, like in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. Um, uh, and then so far as it's gone on, I've, I've gotten through another couple stories. And uh, yeah, highly recommend it. Uh, uh, nothing's really standing out as like, boy, here's a story I really got to elaborate on. But right. we're still enjoying it. Uh, we'll keep plugging along. And the other thing other than The Last Dance uh, of Note that I watched was, uh, and I know you guys have seen it, uh, I guess on Hulu, you've seen it around. I definitely yes. have. Uh, the Lodge. Yeah, I saw that, uh... You saw this at Fantastic Face? You, you've actually seen it? Yeah, I saw it at Fantastic Face. Okay, okay, cool. Here's <laughs> the thing about this movie. So I'll set it up. The setup is, it's got Alicia Silverstone in it. Holy shit. I haven't what? seen her in, a, in ages. Yeah. 13-year-old okay. um, me is interested. Well, well. Hey, she's going to be in the Babysitter's Club on Netflix coming soon. Ooh. Is she really? I hope I she said. plays the baby. Um <laughs> <laughs> but actually it's got a good cast uh richard armitage uh who's thorin from the hobbit movies uh, i actually like him a lot he's pretty good um and then uh jaden martell who a lot of people recognize from uh it he played uh bill uh dinsborough oh. he, he's not my bill but he's a bill <laughs> um and he, you know what he's actually better in this uh than than i thought he was in it like uh I think they were they must have been shot around the same time, but um, uh, he he was he was perfectly acceptable. But the the whole setup is guy uh, is divorcing his wife, and then some shit goes down with that, and then he's like, well, I want my kids to go with my new fiance to this cabin in the woods kind of thing to hang out. This it's actually a big beautiful house out on a frozen lake. It's kind of one of these stories where like ultimately these kids are like fucking giant assholes and i fucking hated him the whole time and <laughs> and but uh i i guess i shouldn't spoil it um because it's it's fresh on hulu and a lot of people are going to be watching it um it it's got some cool concepts uh ultimately i i was i was bummed out because uh they set it up as like the new fiance um she was a part of and then here's the thing that really irked me was that um this character is a, her character was once a part of a cult, a suicide cult, and she's like the last survivor. Cool. I've heard that premise a ton. Like mm -hmm. most of the time, like an author or a writer will take that opportunity to like come up with some real crazy shit as far as the cult was. This was fucking one hundred percent just Heaven's Gate cult, right? So the fucking people that did the fucking spaceship and then put purple blankets over them and all committed suicide. I mean, they just ripped that off completely. Instead of doing something interesting or cool with that, they just did that. Which, okay, fine. It works for the purpose of the movie. It just I, That's like the thing that kind of set into motion of like, all right, this is, this is not going to be... Ultimately, I was very excited. Probably halfway through it or a third of the way through it, I was like, wow, th I think this is going to be cool. Once it kind of started to set in with like that kind of stuff, and I realized like, oh, this is all kind of just derivative. Um, right. I, thought it, I thought it was somebody's attempt at writing something as impactful as like Hereditary. But it falls like way fucking short, in my opinion, you know. So, um, Pat, I don't know what you thought about it, but that's kind of where I fell on it. Uh, let's see. I thought so highly of it that I never wrote about it or talked about it on this show, <laughs> or mentioned it to us. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or I forgot to tell you guys that I'd actually seen it. And then I saw the title and I was like, wait a minute, I think I've seen this. <laughs> well, I got, I'm glad uh, I'm not far off on that kind of thing. This is on the same line as The Good Boys. Uh, I mean, to- uh, I mean, I haven't seen The Good Boys, but I would say I've... it's it's very mediocre, unfortunately. Uh, it's like, got a I would say uh, the theme is better. Well, The Good Boys is like really super, super generic. Just, you know, little boys right. and the... Uh, the idea is, is they they cuss a lot, and that's supposed to be funny. And I guess it is for five or ten minutes, and then it isn't at all ever again. Um, where the lodge, like the lodge, like Blake said, for a good you know, the first third or so of the movie, or maybe even longer, it does really really keep you engaged. Oh, I I I remember being somewhat enjoyable. It has its moments. So. Well, yeah, it, there was definitely a moment where I was excited about how the movie was going, and then it definitely just kind of fell off a cliff. Yeah, it's one of those, which is, you know, it, it, it's nothing, uh, like, uh, it's not offensively bad. <laughs> it's not, it's no, messy. no, it's just try, it's, like it's trying to do something that doesn't do very well. Exactly. It, it's a noble attempt, much like uh, Prohibition was in the <laughs> early 20th century. <laughs> uh, so, uh, let's see, this week is the new normal. Uh, how, how, how quickly do things change? So, let's see, um, January, I was on the ground at Sundance. Two months later, I was covering South by Southwest remotely and had no access to anything but movies. Uh, two months later, I'm attending a film festival virtually via Microsoft Teams. So in the course of six months, that's how much things can change. So we decided we would talk about the new normal. Um, we weren't quite sure what it was. I think we all had a different idea of it, but I think Danny summed it up pretty well. Something happens that causes a change in people's life. Um, what is that change? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about this week. So um, what do you guys, I, I think we're all going to be completely different on these types of these things. Um, what are you guys' favorite movies about the new normal? I think I didn't, I don't know if I have a, a favorite, like of it. Like I had examples. Let, let's walk it back. So you, you have a definition of what a new normal is. And, and, and Blake and I were kind of like, oh, I don't know what it is. So how did you go at what a new normal is so i had two different thoughts thought trains i guess uh so one of them obviously it's like something fucking huge happened and now we're here a la zombie you know zombie land or whatever so avengers infinity war we have the snap now we have a new normal after that obviously right and at the end of end game we have a new a new a new normal so for five years these people lived you know, with what they call the blip in Spider-Man. And then I thought of, like, uh, Blade Runner and all the cyberpunk stuff where something happened in technology and everything kind of, like, went fucking crazy. So now we have a new normal in Blade Runner. And a lot of it kind of went, like, with Blade Runner 2049. Uh, Something happened within the original movie, and now we are living with the consequences of whatever that is. So I think... That's where I was at. Like we have sequels that really work with that, but then we have like new movie, like uh, like uh, it, it comes at night. We don't know what's happening, but these people are living their new life essentially. Right. Um, so right. I think I, I so I think I had like this kind of idea. Like the everybody has a new start essentially, and we're going w- moving forward with whatever happened in our past. Might might be explained, might not be explained. But we're going. We're moving forward with w- whatever events have happened. So I feel like disaster movies start like that, and then like I think what was it? I think like a day after tomorrow starts with the whole disasters, and then we end up with you know half of the world frozen, 
or Independence Day. Now there's aliens essentially out there trying to kill us. Things like that. You know, I, I don't I don't know if those are like what you guys were thinking of, but now I'm very curious yeah, what you more guys. Or less. Oh, that's so, yeah. so yeah, I was gonna ask Blake since you asked, like, how did you end up uh, going at this? So I guess yeah, like I very much similar train of thought, um, line of thinking. Um, but I guess mine were more uh, along the lines of not as as it's happening, but like way after it happened. So um, oh. the the first one that could, came to mind, the very first thing once I kind of grasped the concept was uh, <laughs> Mad Max. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the Road Warrior and all that, all that yeah. stuff. It, it, it's a, it's a universe, you know, uh, kind of built into itself uh, after this. Uh, what you were, you're assuming is a nuclear war, um, mm-hmm. for sure. And Snowpiercer uh, also comes to mind. Uh, uh, these people on a train eating roaches, <laughs> like you wrote roach yeah. bricks. Like that was that was that was more in the line of uh, in what I was going with. Yeah. So I have I have more stuff like that on on a list here. I went with um and, and those are uh, all all great examples and ways to look at it. Is uh, I took it as someone who's just moving on with their life, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this catastrophic catastrophic event like a zombie outbreak break or nuclear war so it's not my favorite movie or neither of these are my favorite movies but they I, they kind of tied together for me and more so because of the titles and anything else so the first one i thought of in regards to a new normal is coming to america because oh, that's a great um, pick Murphy, that's a great, yeah it's a great pick yeah he, he's uh literally royalty where he's from and he comes from to america uh and he's selling big mix in a mcdowell's bottom of the barrel <laughs> the lowest of the low but that's his new normal from having everything catered to him. He's now working very hard and people laughing at him. And, you know, there's a whole like, yes, yes, fuck you too. Because he has no idea. He knows yeah. nothing about what's going on in this world. But he's dealing with it and he's accepting it and he's adapting to mm-hmm. all of that. Um, the other movie that I thought of that and the only reason that they even relate is the titles are somewhat similar is uh born on the 4th of july um, <laughs> oh okay the, the main character he's very patriotic as a kid growing up like i believe his dad was a firefighter or he might have also been uh in the military but he's very proud of this country growing up he can't wait to serve he goes to vietnam and it turns out that it's nothing like the comics and the books and the movies that he saw growing up um he comes back to america and he's not a hero at all he's not a hero um he becomes uh, an anti-war protester actually and it ends with the uh him and his group um uh, i believe they're charging the republic national convention I believe. they're protesting some big uh, an, uh some big event i don't remember what but uh that's a new normal for him too because when he left everything was kind of uh you know americana like um apples and roses it was very everything was happy and great and then he left to Vietnam and he came back and everything was on its head. But he learned to accept it. He lived with it. Uh, he had to deal with those situations. So those are the things that I kind of took it as, um, yeah, it's a new it's a new life. But it doesn't necessarily have to be dra- – well, those are drastic situations actually. But right. um, uh, initially I did think of like cyberpunk type things that were, you know, because of what we're going through. I thought of some sort of outbreak. But then I just thought, you know, it can be just like immigrants. I think that's – Absolutely, a new normal, and that's just traveling across an ocean. Absolutely, uh, right. Hell, a night's so, tale. Shit, you just opened my whole mind to a whole different side of this thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I started that's what thinking. I'm here for. To I'm here to help the audience and both of you. <laughs> so, what do you guys think is the uh, most appropriate, or what scene from any movie or television show kind of shows off this um, 
accepting of a new normal. I can tell you mine really quickly. Like when even when we talked about it last week, the first thing I thought was a uh, Futurama and hedonism bot. Uh, they're they're oh. watching an opera, and he goes, "An opera with women? How absurd!" <laughs> but he accepts it. He totally is cool with it. <laughs> well, as far as like, like scenes, like iconic scenes of like, I would say acceptance. Like one stands out in my mind more than anything, and that is uh, Charlton Heston seeing the Statue of Liberty uh, in yeah. Planet of the Apes. You know, yeah. <laughs> like he's like, "Oh fuck." God, yeah. God damn it. That's actually apes. a really good one. <laughs> yeah. And talk about a new normal. <laughs> yeah. Fucking <laughs> apes running shit now, dude. Well, I, I, as Pat was talking about, it, I was like, oh yeah, like the even the new ape movies, like the Planet Ape movies, like there that is like a transition, like where man is still trying. I guess it's they're so they want to win this war, I guess. But obviously, their new normal has completely like changed, where they're battling apes, I guess. And I just think that's so like fucking crazy, like you know, <laughs> dirty bastards, <laughs> dirty bastards. <laughs> but the 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 new trilogy that came out a while back, I think those are like it's a really good justification of a trilogy. And if you just want to see a good movie, I would recommend it. Like it doesn't have to be a, a new normal, but it's it's a pretty good damn like trilogy. You kind of like went out there for a second. Oh, sorry. No, no, I I'm think it, you know what I think. I think it was mine because just oh, okay. or thing just came up on mine. Oh no, that's weird. Uh, so uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of movies that kind of like, because there's oh man, like I guess I'm trying to get my train of thought here too, like, like time, like time, like time, time traveling movies. They start off like Bill and Ted, right? We we start a start off like a completely like losers, and then they're going through time, and by the time they get back to the present they're completely like you know confident in themselves and they start a new trend like i guess back to the future does something like that as well do you do you think that kind of works with that because a scene i only think of like that like those are the scenes that like oh yeah we started this new life for ourselves this is the new normal i guess yeah, it works because I think well, what I also thought of for um, a, a new normal is pretty much any dystopian story. It doesn't even have to be dystopian, actually. Anything involving any sort of time travel where you're going uh, forward or backwards in time. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, all that is absolutely dealing with a new normal. Now, they might not like what they're dealing with. and <laughs> They might have trouble right. accepting it, but they're still having to deal with it because once we come out of the other side of this, some of us will be very easy and will seamlessly flow into a, a, a smaller world that's more virtual. Other people will not be very happy with the, th- the way things are going to be going after this, um, which kind of leads to my next question. Like, what do you guys think is the most relatable movie or genre that's uh, regards uh, adapting to a new normal? Boy, most relatable, uh, The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because you always take red pills. <laughs> <laughs> he's that far off i think the matrix is i think that is the most relatable one like fucking kiana gets out of whatever the thing that shit was you know he's given yeah there we go thank you like now we're (laughs) i'm just gonna say animus whatever like and now we're here you know like living under having a giant rave like that that i want to be part of that i relate to that we all did raves right no yeah like 25 years ago 
<laughs> I never found out where the secret locations were. They want to tell a geek like me. But, you know, um, that does... Well, you had um... such cool VHS tapes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by the way, going back to the, um, the last dance, I just want to say Steve Kerr, I have so much in common with Steve Kerr that... Uh... <laughs> I thought, that's no wonder I like you, Danny. <laughs> so much. Well, so but much. he's a winner oh, sorry, and sorry. you're not. <laughs> he's a champion. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Uh, you, you know what? What are relatable? And this is such a cheap answer because they're supposed to be. Is um any high school coming of age story are super relatable because yeah. uh, that's all about dealing with a new normal. Whether they're going from middle school into high school or whether they're leaving high school to enter the adult world, like that's something totally new in their lives and uh. Even now, I'll sit back and watch a. Oh, there was something that was on the other day, like um, not Pretty in Pink, but um, Sixteen Candles. That's like always on somewhere. Yeah, even now it's been you know uh, thirty years, right? Forty. I don't know how many years it's been, but I don't. I don't know how many times I've seen thirty-five years, and can still watch that movie, still be like, wow, I totally get it, and it's still laugh out loud funny. So cheap answer, but I find coming of age movies, even now, like edge of 17. I don't know if you guys saw that one with uh, Woody Harrelson, that one, you can still, um, eighth grade. I know people went totally gaga over it. I think it's, it really has one joke in it. However, I will say that it does have some moments that, um, you can, that are very much like, Oh, I kind of remember that. That being said, the movie sucked, but, uh, and if you like (laughs) it, you're you're just pandering, but, um, So, um, do you guys think that uh, the movies about a new normal are popular, or, or and if so, why why are these movies so popular? Are they popular? Yeah, oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say that is um, because it's all, like yeah, I think you just nailed it because it's relatable, right? There's like lots of relatable things that come come with that kind of storyline, uh, even if it is like a dystopian like thing you know a lot of times it's like, well, yeah, they're hungry. Shit, I've been hungry. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> You know what's uh, you know what I think are the most popular topics for a new normal, and I think these movies are like we've talked about some like you know Planet of the Apes is kind of it's, it's sci-fi. Back to the Future is obviously you know family-friendly comedy type of stuff, but I, I think most new normal stuff is so serious because it has to deal with like racial division, gender politics, um, you know, ageism. Like these are the right. things that we see in a new normal. Uh, how for the wilder people, people, man, that's like a thing that just kind of keeps popping in my head as we keep talking. Uh, like very serious tones. There's like a death. Mm-hmm. That leads to you know some some like uh, personal bonding between uh, uh, those two characters and uh, definitely a new normal for both those those but for both those characters you know very much so. yeah yeah and uh, things like uh, like adoption like uh, things that had to do deal with adoptions like uh, instant family three men and a baby three men and a baby <laughs> like you know you a series so like good. yeah like you know these things like you you're dealing with you know either having a baby being left at, at your doorstep or like dealing with, you know, a whole new adoption. These are new situations for like all these characters. And I feel like, uh, even like, uh, what's the shit? What's that fucking movie called? The hockey one with, uh, Kurt Russell, uh, miracle. Oh, miracle. Yeah. So like even, so sports documentaries also have some, like a new normal, like now we are not just, you know, a second rate hockey team. We're like a world power hockey team. At least that one year. <laughs> Yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. At least the one year. You, you know what, um, speaking of um, coming of age and sports, uh, do you guys remember Lucas? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Winona Ryder is in there, River Phoenix. Lucas, 
always, always got to me. Now, you know, Danny mistakenly compared himself to Steve Kerr. I can actually... <laughs> you can't shoot anyway. I can, <laughs> I can actually I relate to... Uh, I can relate to Lucas. I mean, you know, nerdy dude uh, going after the girl that he really likes, but, you know, he doesn't want to admit how, like geeky and poor he is mm. everyone at school well no one at school really hated me but no one would throw a football at me that's for sure <laughs> like <laughs> no one would dare throw the football to me but uh you know the end of lucas i will readily admit to this day when you know they play in the big game and everyone's like throw it to lucas throw it to lucas and then there's the big moment where charlie sheen throws the pass to him and he's wide open and he drops it <laughs> costing them the game and then the next day he goes to school and everyone's just mad dogging him. But then uh, he opens his locker and there's a Letterman jacket in there and everyone starts chanting, Lucas, Lucas, tears to my eyes. Right now, right now, I'm actually, <laughs> eyes are watering. R.I.P. Hey, we still got Joaquin at least. True. Well, uh, and Charlie Sheen, I mean, you know, he's just AIDS ridden. Hey, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonades. <laughs> Every Saturday, you can find us here. Uh, the rest of the week, you can go to adventuresinportaste.com where you can find all of our podcasts. We have uh, Tonking Tauntauns, which is our Star Wars podcast, Poor Taste Wrestling, which is about wrestling, and the comics podcast where they talk about comics. It's really weird. Um, you can also catch up with uh, all the reviews, and uh, you can leave our thoughts on the site. Um, YouTube, we have a show. It's uh, Adventures in Movie Looks at dot, dot, dot. This week, where we look at the first asmr horror movie called tingle monsters and if you want a different view on scoob you can go to the website uh davis Pittman, one of our contributors wrote a review for it but check it out but you know what you can do you can follow adventures in movies on twitter over at aipt movies and you can share your thoughts on scoob with us or you can follow us individually you can find nathaniel or pat as i like to call him on instagram at nathan port taste and you can find me danny on twitter and instagram at default underscore player we could talk scooby-doo agent squirrel top cat whatever you want we'll do it here uh and then you can find blake on twitter oh i don't have a uh shit hold oh, on oh you just skipped right off past it God damn it. So Hollywood. next week, stay tuned oh, for the new whatever. normal. Yeah, no, the, new, no. uh, the new normal and Danny's new gimmick will be next damn week. Damn it. Yeah. You can find Blake on Twitter at 48Horror. I'm sorry, Blake. I failed you now. Oh, no. You're fine. You're, it's also, it's my lord. But we'll get back to that. Um, <laughs> so, so next week, uh, we're going to be uh, turning the lights off and peeking outside our blinds. We're going to be real isolated and real paranoid. You can check us out at the new normal uh, Apple Podcasts. You can go to Spotify. You can go to the website. You can play the podcast right off of there. Um, you can try out Stitcher. I mean, you're alone and paranoid anyways. Might as well give it a shot. Just uh, make sure to give us a rating or tell a friend to listen. Also, check us out on YouTube. And that's our cue. We'll talk to you next week. I fucked up. I fucked up.